Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Here's something that's going to make you feel either old or young, probably old. Guess how old Aiden is from Sex and the City? Like, oh. wait, his real name is like John Corbett. John Corbett, yeah. He'd be... 45? He's 60. <laughs> and he just got married... That's my dad. That's to my dad. Bo Derrick. Do you remember Bo oh Derrick? Oh, my God, I forgot that yeah. he was with Bo so Derrick. He, Who's that? So Bo Derrick was like, what would you even say? Was she an actress, Holly? She was, Jessie, she was the it girl for a hot minute because she was in, in a sexy 70s? film where she wore a swimsuit. Yeah. Yes, okay. a little bit before our time, really, Mia, wasn't it was, she? But she had yeah. cornrows. She had, oh, I found the, f- the photo. She's white, but that was when yeah. white people sometimes had cornrows without being cancelled. Yeah. And she was running up the beach and it was like an iconic image. She was in this one-piece swimsuit running up the beach with these cornrows. Anyway, she's 64 and he's 60 and they've been together for 20 years. So all through his Sex in the City time and now Aiden is married and he's 60 and I, I think he's coming back in the new Sex in the City He movie. is. I, I think he's in it and Big's in it too. I've, see, I've been stalking yeah. the paparazzi images of this. We've got to talk about that later in the week because it's been kind of making my life and also breaking my heart. Yeah, I'm with you. Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Jessie Stevens. Before I tell you what's on the show today, I have a little bit of housekeeping. Now, some Out Louders loved it when Jessie called me a boomer the other day and said I'd gone yes. full boomer, not being able to work out the Olympics. This may be a little bit of information that might be a little bit boomerish, but there are some Out Louders who probably have listened to Out Loud on a Mamma Mia podcast app, little pink logo, and it had all Mamma Mia podcasts in it. This is a PSA to say that that app doesn't exist anymore. So you won't be hearing this if you were trying to listen on that app. It's very meta. I, I know a lot of people have been wondering where it's gone. And the thing is, the reason it doesn't exist anymore is because the new Mamma Mia app, which has the website on it, it has all kinds of goodies, it has M Plus on it, is now the best place to listen to all Mamma Mia podcasts if you want them all in one place. So if you were into the pink app, not there anymore, delete it from your phone. One less thing you have to worry about, decluttering, but make sure you've got the Mamma Mia app. And if you just click on podcasts at the bottom, every Mamma Mia show is there. And even better, you get a little alert pop up on your phone when Out Loud drops. And that app is free. And if you ever have issues on any of your podcast apps where it freezes, where it loses your spot, mine is always crashing, then you need to go to the Mamma Mia podcast app and none of those things will happen. It is free. Just Mamma Mia in the app store. On the show today, how do you spot a pseudo-smart person? This is possibly very important information at the moment. And Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. 
There is a theory that Jessie's bringing that I'm so here for that when one of them is up, one of them has to go and do something really stupid. And that is indeed what has happened this week. But first, Mia. Vaccine passports and cash payments. Or maybe the prospect of winning a cow might encourage someone who's vaccine hesitant to get vaccinated. You might have seen the concept of a vaccine incentive in the headlines over the last day or so. The leader of the opposition, Anthony Albanese, has proposed a $300 cash bonus for vaccinated Australians, which is an interesting idea. Obviously, he can't implement that because he's in opposition and he can't really do anything. But it's certainly something that people are talking about. So anyone who is immunised against COVID would become eligible to receive the payment. The plan would cost $6 billion with the cash going to anyone who'd been vaccinated, including kids. Now, at this stage, as I said, it's purely hypothetical, but we need more jabs in arms. Just before we started recording this today, numbers are up again in Sydney over the 200 mark. Brisbane's currently in lockdown and but good news for Melbourne. Good and news I for love, Melbourne. It's I a love, donut day. Yes. Happy, happy donut day, Melbourne. In New York this week, they have become the first city in the US who've implemented this idea of a vaccine passport system. Now, you might have read about that as well, because a lot of people are saying, well, it's too early to talk about it here because not enough people have had the opportunity to get vaccinated. But when they do, hopefully by the end of the year, will we have vaccine passports in Australia? So in New York, for example... You need to show proof of vaccination to be in any indoor activity. So going to restaurants or cafes or gyms or other events. And that starts mid-September. In Moscow, they are trying cash incentives and lotteries. So they're handing out cars. So is the lottery, because I didn't understand this. Holly has been talking about the lottery and I always thought it was like a lottery where you won a vaccine, which really shows... (laughs) Where Australia is at. It's so it really true. Does. I was it, like, oh, so you go in a lottery to, to, to win, win a vaccine. Priority. But it's a lottery that only vaccinated people can enter. And they've been doing this in America a bit to um, yeah. stimulate and encourage people in certain states. So there have been like three or four vaccine millionaires in California now. So you can only enter this lottery if you can prove that you're vaccinated. And in a Philippines town, the mayor is raffling a cow. And other communities are raffling off sacks of rice. And then there are also businesses that are getting involved. So in Israel, you can get free beer or a complimentary dessert in Malaysia. And in Washington, retailers are offering a free marijuana joint when they get a shot in Joints for Jabs promotions. Oh, how good's that? Anyway, it's all in a bid to entice the vaccine-hesitant people to get immunised and get immunised faster. But do we think... Vaccine incentives are a good idea, Jesse. I love it. I didn't even have to think about this. When I sort of heard it going around yesterday, my first reaction was like, yeah, whatever it takes. And $300 for each person. I know that there's been some criticism in terms of this is taxpayer dollars. Do we really need to pay people as an incentive? I mean, I'm not an economist, but I know that it's costing us a lot of money to be in a lockdown. Mm. So perhaps it would be an investment to then open up earlier and that would be a good thing. I read this incredible piece on Mamma Mia by Emily, I'm not going to be able to say her last name, it's French, Holly? Lefebvre. Lefebvre. <laughs> anyway, Emily 
wrote this brilliant piece about what it's like in France right now. And she was saying that basically what they're going to do is vaccine passport and, and you show it when you go into a restaurant or whatever it is. And if you don't have that, then you need to do the test, the PCR test, and you have to show a negative test in the last 24 hours. And very soon they're not going to be free anymore, so you're going to have to start paying for them. And I thought that was clever because apparently what all the psychologists say is that reward is a lot more effective than punishment. So Mm. if you reward people in these, you know, little ways, whether it's offering them more freedom, offering them you know, more ease in France, for example, and all over Europe, the second you start threatening people's summer holidays, they run out in droves because Mm. they're like, oh, I don't want to be lining up longer or I don't want to be having to get tests every day or not be able to go to see the Eiffel Tower or whatever because I haven't got my vaccine. So that's clearly working. The thing that's interesting, though, is that the argument about things like cash payments and reward systems is the government came back and said about Labor's plan that it was insulting, that it was insulting to suggest that Australians would need to be paid to do the right thing. And I can see where that argument goes. It's a bit like whether or not you bribe children to do things, like it's something that every parent knows. It's like, do I have to pay you to do the dishes or do you just have to do the freaking mm. dishes because you live in this house, right? And obviously the second option is better. You it's have to like pay them. just communal responsibility, do the bloody dishes, but it doesn't always work. No. And I think that what you've got to remember with the cash incentives, and this has worked previously, it worked with the no jab, no pay policy in New South Wales when we were trying to get some stubborn vaccination numbers up and certain allowances and rebates uh, were held off unless you could prove your children had been vaccinated, is that if you don't feel like you have an immediate imperative to vaccinate. Now, so in Sydney right now, Hmm. people feel like they have a very urgent imperative to get vaccinated and they're running out the door to do it and we're seeing a massive growth in uptake of the AZ vaccine in younger people and all of those things. And I know a similar thing happened in Melbourne when the last outbreak happened and suddenly vaccine numbers went through the roof. But if you're living in the rest of Australia or you don't have an urgent need to travel overseas, because I also know a lot of immigrant people who have said, who were first in line to get the vax because they were like, I know that sooner or later, this is going to be the thing that determines whether or not I can travel. But if none of those are pressing needs for you, you might not be vax hesitant or anti-vax or anything, but it just might not be on your priority list. You know what I mean? I've got a lot of things to do. We'll get around to that when it happens. But if suddenly there's money involved or it's going to inconvenience you in a significant way not to do it, people will rearrange their priorities pretty quickly. So I think a cash incentive is actually really clever. This is Rachel from Perth. Hi, this is Meg from Melbourne. Hi, this is Julie from Sydney. This is a message for Out Loud. Thanks so much. Uh, Love Out Loud. Always listen to it. Think you're you're all amazing. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au.
Are you smart? Who says you are? And is it something that you wear as a bit of a badge of honour? I was reading a story this week about pseudo-smart people and how to spot them among the properly smart people. First of all, this article kind of agrees on a definition of smart of being clever but also savvy. The writer interviewed a lot of business people, so that was kind of his benchmark were people who had been very successful in business. And he said that smart people have certain traits that pseudo smart people find hard to fake. And I'm going to give you a list of them to see if we think we are smart. I'm a little bit worried that I might be pseudo smart. So let's see. First of all, apparently smart people, properly smart people do not overthink. The guy who wrote this story Alan Trapolinis says that smart people act quickly. He says, and I quote, Ironically, a hallmark of highly intelligent people is humility. Intelligence is a byproduct of experience and knowledge and smart people are painfully aware of the things they don't know. Smart people know the answers to their problems can't be found in their heads, which is like, whoa. But also this bit I found fascinating because it's somebody we know, somebody at this table. If they find something interesting, they'll turn 140% of their energy to that thing alone and then leave it as soon as they realize it didn't work. That's mm, Mia. That is Mia to a T. You're smart, Does that mean Mia? I'm smart or pseudo smart? No, you, no means that means you're smart. smart. Because apparently pseudo-smart people will spend a lot of time pondering things, whereas smart people in this context act, make quick decisions and act, and then also are quick to admit they were wrong if it was wrong. Thoughts? Holly, I want you to go through some of the others, and then I'm going to tell you why I think this is the most bullshit list ever written in the history of the world. Is that because it doesn't define you as smart by these criteria? It's because it defines you as smart. Uh, I think that's more of the red flag for me. And then Uh, I'm just... It's really Mia upsetting. is very smart in this, which is good because he interviews smart business people and considering that is what Mia does, that's a good thing. Phew. Anyway, number two, they don't do small talk. Instead, they lead with borderline honesty and directness. Another thing that stands out with aggressively smart people is that is that directness. They value their time and they value yours and you'll seldom hear a smart person chit-chatting about their vacation for 30 minutes. They just don't see the point. I would argue this is also what rude people do. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I agree. I'll see, Mia loves a chit-chat. No, not really. Not not small talk. Like I'm not interested in hearing about your holiday or no, telling you about mine. No, but you, you are interested mine. in talking about my pants. Oh, yeah, I would true. say that's small talk. I do like your pants. Yeah. yeah. I think smart people know that some people need warming up and some people don't. So I would argue Mm. that a properly smart person knows when to small talk and knows when to shut up. I think not doing small talk is a flex. It's a power move. It's a way of being Mm. like, I'm too important, I'm too busy for your small talk. And that's why I think it's rude. But Mm. Holly, what's number three? Number three, they don't need a sophisticated reason to act. This is so (laughs) mere. This is very mere. I like it. Instead, they often act on impulse. Truly intelligent people always know what they're doing. Hmm. Uh, So if they don't don't go into a 30-minute lecture explaining to you why they did this or that, it's probably because they didn't see the point or don't have the time. Oh, no, I like going into the lecture explaining why I did things. Well, apparently your reason as a, a really intelligent person is that you will say it felt right. Which is what you often do. Yeah, you I go do. based on your feelings yeah. and your instincts and you trust your instincts, which True. apparently makes you smart. Mm-hmm. Last this one. a great article. <laughs> Mia's down with Mia's it. Mia's written she it did. under her pseudonym. 
<laughs> Alan is me. Uh, number four, they don't hijack conversations. They listen more than they talk. Oh, no, that's not me. No, I think so. No filter. I think it's about oh. this is the only one I agree with is that it's yeah, curiosity. It is asking questions. Yeah. It is showing interest in people. I think that's, yeah. It says there's a reason that they're good listeners and that's because aggressively smart people have had lots and lots of other aggressively smart people tell them things about life and business and things. And so they know that you have to learn from others and that's why they are good listeners. Well, what do you think, Mia? I'm into it. Of course you're I think into it's a great article. It. I'm sending it to everyone I know. Yeah, she's sharing my smartness. You'll, you'll share it across your platforms, but like yeah. with no comment. Just, just like, no oh, comment. interesting. Yeah. Full stop. I actually am not that smart because I was confused by this article because it kept, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it talked about the four signs of a pseudo smart person, but then it talked about a smart person and then it talked about the pseudo. Anyway, I found the whole thing very confusing, which disproves all of it. Yes, which I want to know what Jesse thinks because I would say that smartness is very high up on Jesse's value list, mm-hmm. right? Like it's something that Jesse values highly and definitely sees herself as. <laughs> so, what did you think of I, this smartness every list? Every year I spend on the planet, the less smart I think I, I am. I think that mm. that is a sign in my mind of a very smart person, Jesse. <laughs> when I was eighteen, I thought I was so smart, and I just feel like I yeah. get dumb every year. But this article. It's just about a very particular type of person that this specific author finds palatable. Like this is not a universal understanding of what intelligence is. And this is my problem with this article, but the world more broadly, which is that being smart in business is not the only way to be smart. And I think often we confuse the two. There are so many people who are teachers or nurses or lawyers or cleaners or or whatever who are so smart and so good at their jobs and so savvy and just because they don't run a business Mm. doesn't mean that they're not smart and these things are so specific to a business capitalism and making money capitalism making money that if you did these things as an employee they wouldn't be looked upon very favorably like Acting really impulsively or based on a feeling as an employee, you're accountable to people and they're going to sit you down and go, hey, hang on, why did you spend X amount of money on this? And you better have a reason because otherwise you look like an idiot. So I think that this is just such a classic example of thinking that the only way to be smart is Bill Gates. And like there are things to learn from people like him I'll read every autobiography on people like him because I find it fascinating how much he reads how much he listens how he follows his curiosity how he acts on it I think that's all really inspiring but I don't think we need a world full of people who run businesses that's just not but that's don't worry because it's not an option (laughs) (laughs) for everyone to be as smart as Bill Gates it's not like we get to choose I think it's interesting because the, although I agree with you, Jesse, this is a very specific kind of list. There is a lot of truth in those people who you think must be clever because they talk a lot and they, you know, they're always telling you how to do things and they're, and, and I'm specifically, this may be a stereotype, but I'm specifically thinking about men in this oh, example. You, I, isn't you know, that awful might, that that was, I didn't even consider for a minute a female. In my head, it was uh, just a man with glasses. Isn't that terrible, mm. right? But like, if you think about, 
certain men who you might meet in a professional setting or, you know, you don't know them very well, but they're at a thing that you're at and you have to talk to them. And your first impression of them is like, oh, they're smart. Like they know a lot of things. And then actually you chip away a little bit and they're definitely pseudo smart. They're definitely not really smart. And one, I think that that is a very good red flag, that thing of like, they're just doing all the telling and none of the listening. I think very there's one. a word for that. It's called, I learned it once, it's called fig jam. Fuck, I'm good, just ask me. Mm. Ah, yes. Isn't that great? Fig jam. It's so true. Pseudo-intellectual people always think they're right and don't change their mind, which is not what actual smart people do. I think they're far more curious than that. And I think pseudo-intellectual people also think that things are simple. So the people who I stalk sometimes on Instagram who might deny, say, that COVID exists, thinks that everything can be summarised in eight words and that it's just that simple. And I think really smart people know that everything from politics to education to the news to even COVID is really, really complicated because the closer you look at things, the more complicated things become. So I think beware of anyone who oversimplifies anything. I came across a theory this week that caught my interest. Best friends and actors slash screenwriters Matt Damon and Ben Affleck exist on an equilibrium, right? So they're kind of on a seesaw. Imagine it like that. And when one is up, say Ben Affleck, who's enjoying his newfound romance with J-Lo, the other inevitably falls. It's the Um, only way mm. the universe can sustain an equilibrium. It's like chaos and order. Like they just need to... Is that what equilibrium means? Like a seesaw? See, I'm not that smart. (laughs) Well, it's an an equilibrium means that things are kind of like... Straight. Straight and equal and Mm -hmm. and like everything is as it should. But but that can't happen. With, With Matt Damon and Ben Affleck... One needs to go up mm. and then the other inevitably goes mm-hmm. down. It's very hard to watch. Who, so what's, what's Matt Damon done to go down? Okay. Well, I'm actually going to start with what Ben Affleck's done to go up. Okay. Because not long ago, it was Sad Ben. Sad Ben for a very long time who just was pictured, mm. you know, on a street looking sad with Back a cigarette. Back to rehab. Yes. Sad Ben Chain smoking in the street. Yes. He just had a lot of feelings, a lot of demons. And 48-year-old Ben Affleck appears to have just rekindled his relationship with Jennifer Lopez, who he famously dated in 2002. And he did that Jenny from the Block film clip where he stroked her bottom a lot, potentially kissed mm. the bottom. And now he seems to be bizarrely reenacting that specific video clip. And a few weeks ago, we talked about this on our Daily Drop show, but just in case you missed it, a few weeks ago, J-Lo celebrated her 52nd birthday on a boat, obviously, and uploaded a photo to her Instagram making out with Affleck and pat pics indicate that he's playing with her bottom again. Mm. So he's up, absolutely up. He's in love with sexy woman. Touching J-Lo's happy, bottom. Exactly. It's his happy place. It's the universal index for being up. Anyone exactly. that gets to touch J-Lo's bottom <laughs> is up. It's up. So, it's like rubbing the belly, yes. Yeah. Exactly. We all took a deep breath and we went, what is Matt Damon going to do? Because they can't both be up. He then did an interview with the Sunday Times, which was his first error. He should have gone into hiding, but he didn't. 50-year-old Matt Damon, um, who just so people understand this equilibrium, 
they're best friends, Ben Affleck yep. and Matt Damon. I don't have confirmation for that. I don't know how much they talk. but No, apparently they are still best friends. Apparently Ben is texting Matt from the yacht. Okay, good. I thought that might be the case. Ever since Goodwill Hunting, which they wrote together as 20-somethings. Anyway, he retold a story to the Sunday Times where he said, I made a joke months ago and got a treatise from my daughter, Damon told the Times. She left the table. I said, Come on, that's a joke. I say it in the movie Stuck on You. She went to her room and wrote a very long, beautiful treatise on how that word is dangerous. And I said, I retire the F slur. I understood. Now, in the context of the interview, it looked like that F slur was to do with a denigrating term used against LGBT people. And that he used it kind of flippantly and it took his daughter telling him that that was inappropriate for him to stop. Understandably, there was a great deal of criticism that he'd used that term even in the context of a joke as recently as a few months ago. And the fact he confessed to it, <laughs> he didn't need to tell us. Mm, he didn't. You can learn things It's in not private. like he was overheard no. by anyone in his house. No, his daughter wasn't going to leak it. He has since gone on to say that he actually never used that term in his personal life and was explaining to his daughter how commonplace it was to hear that word on the streets of Boston. He says it wasn't a personal awakening and it was just a story plucked out of context. Holly, is there a world in which Ben Affleck and Matt Damon can both be on top? I think there is, but I take umbrage with the scale because I think this is interesting. We touched on this in Daily Drop, but... Do you look at Ben Affleck on the yacht in Capri stroking J-Lo's bottom and immediately think he's winning at life? Or do you think, as I do a little bit, hmm, midlife crisis. Mm. Ben is searching for meaning once more in all the wrong Holly, places. Holly, how many midlife crises can one man have? How much more meaning well, can there be than J-Lo's <laughs> bottom, Holly? What's wrong with that's, you? That's possibly true. But I think... That the funny thing about this, well, and I know it, it isn't really funny, but it's funny that Matt Damon has come to represent, who's always been the good guy, mm. right? He's always been funny, and their dynamic represents a lot of friendships that people would recognize, where in some ways it th- seems like things come easy to him. He's been in a long relationship, he's got a happy family, all that stuff, and he's got a successful career that's gone very mainstream, born identity, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Ben has made some possibly more interesting choices, you know, like directing his own films. He won an Oscar for Argo, but his personal life has been much more troubled and he struggles with addiction and stuff. And it's often the case that in a tight friendship, things seem to come easier somehow to somebody. But now Matt Damon has come to represent every 50-year-old man who doesn't understand why they can't just say the things they've always said (laughs) without everybody now going you can't say that anymore, you idiot. It reminded me, Mia, you recommended that I watched White Lotus on Binge. Mm. It is so good. It's a show with Connie Britton in it. And in that piece, her husband, Steve Zahn, has just found out that his dead father was gay and he's trying to talk about it to his teenage daughter but all the words he uses are wrong <laughs> every opinion he expresses <laughs> is wrong she just keeps telling him off and is and Connie Britton's character keeps going this is a safe space honey to his daughter and his daughter's like uh not that safe <laughs> and it was just like exactly Matt Damon's dinner table he should have kept that dinner table conversation in the cone in the house I learned something I will do better that is it 
Whereas Ben, I think, is never going to share those kind of homey details about his home life because he's too tortured. He's too he's controversial enough without just sharing stories flippantly. Matt Damon is the celebrity I refuse to cancel. I know unpopular. I should be willing to cancel anyone based on what they do, but not my friend Matt Damon. I just think he's a good guy all round. Closer I look at him, I just go, I think you mean well most of the time. I think you just... Why have you come to this conclusion about him? I think it's something to do with his face. It just looks kind and he just sometimes bungles it. He had this quote since when he's addressed this Times interview where he says, 20 years ago, the best way I can put it is that the journalists listen to the music more than the lyrics of an interview. Now your lyrics get pulled out of context and they get the best headline possible and everyone needs clicks. Before it didn't really matter what I said because it didn't make the news. But maybe this shift is a good thing, so I shut the F up more. But it's very true. It's like people took for granted that he meant well, so they didn't take things out of context. Now no one cares what he means. And so if (laughs) Matt Damon knows to shut the F up more, then I think that's probably a good place just go and make your movies and and be in your films or whatever it is Mia what do you think well he has to he's not allowed to just do that because part of the contract that you sign when you sign on for the many many tens of millions of dollars is that you've got to talk to the press and you've got to do interviews uh it's not just tennis players like Naomi Osaka who have to front up to the media as part of their obligations as as their job you know actors have to do that as well which must be terrifying when you think about it, you know, because it used to be that when an actress would give an interview, the most stressful thing would be that she'd have to performatively eat because it would always be over lunch or whatever. And they would always write down what she was wearing, how much makeup she had on and... What you know, salad exactly she what she ordered. Yeah. So there was all of this, this genre of, of actresses performatively eating burgers and chips mm. uh, for every interview. But, you know, it's not true that they've never been on top together. Maybe this was the last time. But they did win a joint Oscar for screenwriting Goodwill Hunting. So that was in their, tw- in their yeah. 20s. And ever since, the no. universe said there is not space for both it's of true. you. There is not space. <laughs> do you think, Mia, that Ben is objectively up? Do you think that stroking J-Lo's ass on a yacht is every midlife man's fantasy? Oh, I think it's just the pinnacle of all human achievement, isn't it? <laughs> Recommendations. Recommendations. I have one. What I've been doing, I think we can all feel a bit powerless and crappy at the moment. And you know what we are talking about a lot is uh, how clever medical people are and scientists Mm. and how Mm -hmm. great are they? Because the second anyone in our family is sick, we love to take them to the hospital because they're the people that know what they're doing. Speaking of, it is Jeans for Jeans Day this week. And One in 20 kids faces a birth defect or genetic disease that's anything from cancer to cystic fibrosis, life-threatening metabolic disorders. So that's 12 kids born every minute worldwide. And what Genes for Genes Day does, that's the day where you wear your genes Mm. for the genetics, what they do is by donating, they are helping us find treatments and cures for these kids who are, you know, it's just a lottery that you would be born with something. One in 20, that's higher than I would have thought. Yes, exactly right. And so what is exciting is that obviously 
jeans for jeans is so much about coming to work and wearing your jeans and in a lot of places in Australia right now you can't do that. So some incredible people have got on board and have said that what they'll do on Thursday and Friday this week is double any donations. So any donation you make Thursday or Friday, if you chuck in 20 bucks, then they'll make it 40. And so I'm encouraging everyone to go to Jeans for Jeans, the website. We'll put a link in our show notes and Give whatever you can if you've got anything in your pocket to just contribute to a really worthwhile cause because this is some research that really needs our help. So Great, Rico. link in show notes. We'll put it on social. Go and check it out. That is all we have time for today on Mamma Mia Out Loud. The show is produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. And if you are an M Plus member, tomorrow's daily drop is a bit of a blast from the past, but not in a good way. We are talking about the very retro magazine cover about body image that was all over your socials this week. Here's a little bit of what we said. Basically, what magazines like the National Enquirer trade in is humiliation and shame. So mm. they want to show you, and this is what the, this is what their audience responds to, and it's an ugly side of all of ourselves that we all have to a point. They want to show you the rich and powerful, in inverted commas, the rich and fabulous people and humiliate them for you, yes. right? That's what they want to do because they know it will make you feel better, right? They're playing to that and they don't care. Whereas what the Daily Mail is doing and what some celebrity magazines that still exist in this space do is they pretend that's not what they're doing. Yeah, so it's like they gaslight they are us. doing it. They're gaslighting. We'll see you on the Mamma Mia app. Bye. 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 What if I told you that just six weeks from now, you could have your very own business or side hustle up and running? No, seriously, your very own business where you're the boss and all your hard work doing what you love pays off directly for you. Does that sound impossible right now? Well, the Lady Startup courses have helped thousands of women just like you start and grow businesses and side hustles. And enrollments for our next activation plan intake are open right now. It is the fast track way to launch your own Lady Startup the right way the first time with my help. If you want to start a business or a side hustle, even if it's just as a hobby, but you don't know where to start, this online course is for you. Stop putting your dreams on hold. Finally, take that first step. Enroll now at ladystartup.com.au. But hurry, because doors will close midnight, Monday 9th of August, and you do not want FOMO and regrets. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. 